Hey, before you start today's episode, I just wanted to jump on in and tell you about something so very exciting. I am holding my first ever summit. The Rise Above Summit is going to be on the 20th and the 21st of March and the tickets to it are free. All you have to do is register at theriseabovesummit.com. Now, I have pulled together the most phenomenal lineup for you. Honestly, it's like a who's who of the online world. So if you have an online business that you want to grow, so you're either a course creator, a membership owner, or a coach and do offer group programs, then this is definitely the summit for you. You are going to learn everything you need to know from the best experts out there in terms of growing that business. Let me just give you a little rundown of some of the speakers that we've got speaking. We've got the amazing Amy Porterfield, who's going to be sharing with us about growing her audience and basically creating a million dollar online business. We've got the phenomenal Michael Hyatt, who is a New York Times bestselling author, who's going to be talking to us about getting organized in our business. We've got Mike from the Membership Guys, who's going to be talking about using free content to sell your online membership. We've got Lucy Street from Adobe Express sharing the secret source of social media. We've got Graham Cochran, who's talking about a million dollar life giving business formula. And I do an amazing interview with him. We have Adrian Salisbury talking about three keys to maximizing your on camera presence. We have Kirsten Miller, Mary Hyatt, Joy Ann Boyce. Uh, we have Fifi Mason, Robin Kennedy. We have Kylie Lang, Melanie Moore, Jen Lena, Natalie Bullen, Liz Mosley. Like, the list goes on and on and on. We honestly have the most phenomenal people. We also have various different activities that you can take part in that go from meditation to tapping to doing marketing in 10 minutes. So we've got lots of fun things and there's also competitions to get amazing swag. So go and check out theriseabovesummit.com. It will be linked in the show notes or wherever you're listening to this podcast. Go and find it in my social media. Get your free ticket. And after you get your free ticket, you will be given the opportunity to upgrade to our VIP pass. And our VIP pass means that you can watch any of these sessions whenever you want. Because the one thing about putting on such an amazing summit with such a big and amazing lineup is that we can't fit them all in two days. And in order to fit them in, we're doing tracks. So you will get to pick between three different speakers of which one to watch live. And unless you've got the VIP passed, you won't be able to watch the speakers that you've missed. So do check that out as well. It's honestly going to be amazing. I am so very excited about it and I can't wait to see you there. Welcome to Your Dream Business Podcast and as always I am your host Teresa Heathwaring and this is episode 298. Wow, God I've been doing this podcast a long time. Good job I love it or otherwise that would never have lasted this long. So today I want to talk to you about Enneagram. Have you heard about it? Do you know about it? Um, if you don't, don't panic. It's not a change on Instagram or something. Uh, it's not a new social media. Basically, I am a big, big fan of personal development, as you know, in general, but also of personal development, kind of assessments and tests and things in terms of getting to know myself better. And Enneagram is one that I've known for a long while, but I'm doing more and more and more 
interesting kind of findings about it. And the other week I did a session in my membership about the Enneagram and we worked through it and we worked out who was what and how that worked for them and and all that sort of good stuff. So I thought I would do a really quick episode today on what the Enneagram is. I would fly through it, explain how it works and then why it's helped me not only in my personal life, but in my business and inspire you maybe to go and find out what your Enneagram is. And the beauty of this is knowing what other people's Enneagrams are. So go and send this episode to a friend or to even your partner and get them to do the Enneagram test. We are going to... um, put some Enneagram links into the show notes where you can actually go and do yours. They're third party websites, they're not mine. And the one we'll put in, you can get a free Enneagram, but I'll also put in the one where I paid for mine and mine goes into a bit more detail. So let me start by telling you what the Enneagram is. So the Enneagram is a system of personality typing that describes patterns in how people interpret the world and manage their emotions. The Enneagram describes nine personality types and maps each of those types on a nine-pointed diagram, which helps illustrate how the types relate to one another. Because that's the interesting thing about the Enneagram. It's not just this is the number you are, but it's You also have wings. This will all become very clear. Um, And you have kind of you show up as other numbers when you're in growth or when things aren't so good. Uh, According to the Enneagram, each of the nine personality types is defined by a particular core belief about how the world works. This core beliefs drive your deepest emotions and fears and fundamentally shapes a person's worldview and the perspective through which they see the world and the people around them. Now, while I was doing the Enneagram training with my uh, members, one of them asked, actually, can you change your Enneagram or do you think it's set? Because they had only heard the not so good side of their Enneagram. Basically, every personality has positives and parts that you just need to keep an eye out for. And all of them do, not just this one type that this person was. Personally, I don't think you can. I don't think you can go, I'm going to change my Enneagram because it's based on your values and who you are as a person. So I think that's very difficult to do. What I think you can do with ease though, I say with ease, takes a bit of work, is make sure that the better sides of that Enneagram are showing up more than maybe the ones that you're not keen on. So why should you even look at doing your Enneagram and understanding what it is and all this sort of stuff. Oh, the other thing I should have said right at the beginning is I interviewed the amazing Sarah Jane Case, who is an expert in Enneagram, and we will link up to that in the show notes, but that was a really long time ago. Um, But hers was really, really interesting. And mine's just more of a general overview, whereas actually I picked her brains a whole lot about my Enneagram. Well, you know, while she was on the podcast, might as well. Um, So the first thing it helps you do is understand yourselves better. And anything that helps us understand ourselves better, in my mind, has got to be a good thing because it gives us so much empathy and sympathy for ourselves. So rather than being like, why do I always do that? You then start to understand why you always do that. And then maybe take on a different feel about it and be like, "Mm, that's interesting. I did that thing again again. Like, and then you become a little bit more aware, but not so judgy. It also helps you really understand other people better. So for me, one of the things that it's helped, and I'll give you this example a bit later, is I got my husband to do the Enneagram and I've done the Enneagram. So it really helps me understand how my husband shows up and how I interact with him and which bits 
I need to kind of understand that that's the way he is. Um, And it just really helps that kind of relationship too. So like I said, this episode is very much kind of, this is what the Enneagram is. These are the numbers. This is what they're like. And kind of a, a a stepping point for you to go and find out more. So there's nine Enneagrams. Now I'm going to say the numbers and what they were called on this particular website. Sometimes they do change the name, but the number is exactly the same. So if you're a one, you're a one, whether it's called the perfectionist or whether it's called the reformer. So number one is the reformer or perfectionist. Number two is the giver. Number three is the achiever. Number four is the individualist. Number five is the investigator. Number six is the skeptic. Number seven is the enthusiast. Number eight is is the challenger and number nine is the peacemaker. So for each of the nine Enneagram, I'm going to tell you kind of the synopsis of it, the basic desire, the basic fear, and I'm going to tell you when you're at your best or what to watch out for. And then I'm going to explain the wing thing, okay, and the growth and the stress area. So let's take um, number one, the reformer. So It says the rational, the idealistic type, principled, purposeful, self-controlled, perfectionist. Basic desire is I want to be a good person, to have balance, to live in integrity. The basic fear of a number one is I'm afraid of being a bad person, being evil or corrupt. So at your best, number one, if you're a number one, you are organised, you're hardworking, you're inspiring, responsible, hopeful, disciplined, conscientious, a visionary and driven. Things that you might want to watch out for when you're not so much at your best is that you might think you're never good enough. You might have an inner critic of you and other people. You might be dogmatic, impatient, condemning, judgmental, obsessive and get stressed easily. Now, when you're a one, you every number has wings, okay? So it's basically the number to your right and the number to your left. So if you're a wing, if you're a number one, your wing can either be nine or a wing two. So what this tends to mean is that you tend to lean into one of those others. So even if you're number one and you're listening to this, then make sure you pay attention to two and nine because you might lean or have some of the traits of those two. The other thing to pay attention to is that each number has a growth number that they go to. So a number that they're more like when they're in growth and a number that they're more like when they're in stress. So for a number one, growth is seven, stress is four. Does that all make sense? I appreciate that actually on a podcast, this is a bit tricky, but what we will try and do is put an image of the Enneagram on the show notes on my website. Um, So yeah, we'll put that there and then, and in fact, we'll we'll probably just put it in my social media as well as part of the um, promotion of this podcast. So hopefully it'll make sense. Okay. So that was number one. So, uh, like I said, the reminder is the wing is either nine or two, and then your growth is in number seven and your stress is in number four. Number two is the giver. So for people who are number twos, they're caring interpersonal types, uh, demonstrative, can't say the word, generous, people-pleasing, and possessive. Their basic desire is to feel loved and liked. Their basic fear is being unwanted, unworthy of love. At their best, they're altruistic, generous, empathetic, warm, caring, loving, kind, charming. At their worst, they're martyrs, unyielding, won't self-care, resentful, guilt-tripping, manipulative and become the victim. So my husband is an Enneagram too. So he is 
a fairly typical Enneagram too, but there's an interesting difference, which I'll explain at the end. But he does, he's very kind and generous and he does give a lot, but he does it in a very practical way. So he will clean, he will make things, he will fix things. Um, But I do have to watch out for some of his other traits. So for instance, an Enneagram 2, and I remember reading Fern Cotton's book, um, Bigger Than Us, I think it's called, and she's an Enneagram 2. Lots of Enneagram 2s are the givers. They like to do the things, but also there's a part of them that thinks no one else is good enough. And that is definitely my husband's trait. No one else is good enough. No one does it as good as him. And that's why he does it. But also, if I don't thank him and I don't make a point of being like, I appreciate all this stuff you do for me, he can become a martyr or be resentful or, yeah, get annoyed. And these people are not good at looking after themselves because they put everyone else first. But they can use that against them, against everybody. So if you're a giver, if you're number two, your wings are obviously one and three. Your stress is eight and your growth is four. Okay, number three, the achiever, which is me. I'm an Enneagram three, a success-orientated, pragmatic type, adaptive, excelling, driven, and image conscious. Basic desire to feel valuable and worthwhile. Basic fear of being worthless, only worth based on what I achieve. I feel that massively. Like it's the car I drive, it's the clothes I wear, it's the like how good my hair looks on a day, it's what stages I've spoke on, how many people come to my thing. Like, yeah, that is for real a struggle. Um, when I'm at my best, I am likable, popular, energetic, charismatic, thoughtful, successful, inspirational, humble, and brings out the best in others. Things I need to watch out for, and I've done a lot of work over the years on this, is ego, vanity, insecure, self-promotional, arrogant, obsessed, I sound a delight, uh, dishonest to look good and always performing. Now, I always like to clarify the dishonest thing because I think I'm very honest and very vulnerable and authentic, but this is like... This is like when someone says, how many people did you get on your webinar? And you had like five and you round up to 10. Like that's how I read that. And that is definitely how that would have come out in me. I've, like I said, done a lot of work on this. So um, I am definitely an Enneagram 3. So Enneagram 3, your wings are obviously four or two. Growth is six, stress is nine. And again, as I'm starting to hit these numbers, you're going to see how that shows up. Okay, so number four the individualist. So the sensitive, withdrawn type, expressive, dramatic, self-absorbed, temperamental, basic desire to find themselves and their significance to create an identity. Their basic fear is that they have no identity or no personal significance. So at their best, they're creative, self-aware, artistic, honest, accepting, compassionate, loyal friend and heartfelt. Things to watch out for for a number four is that they might be moody, self-absorbed, hopeless, not they're hopeless, they feel hopeless, um, tragically different, negative self-image, low self-esteem. So four, the wings are five and a three. And interestingly enough, fours go to one for growth um, and they go to number two for stress. So the negatives of two, let me just go back and tell you what they were, were the martyrs, the unyielding, won't self-care, resentful, all that sort of thing. Number four, when they're in stress, they can go to those things. So hopefully that makes sense. Number five, the investigator. So if you're a number five, you are the intense cerebral type, uh, 
perspective, innovative, secretive, and isolated. Your basic desire is to be capable and competent. Your basic fear is being useless, helpless, or incapable. So at your best, uh, your pioneers and experts and innovators, teachers, mentors, advisors, in-depth knowledge and stimulate others. But things to watch out for are you might be an intellectual hoarder. Have you bought all those courses and never done anything or need to do 300 courses before you start something? Maybe you're an Enneagram 5. Um, shirt responsibilities, disconnect, lost in thought, absent-minded, withdrawn, cut off from the social world. So let's just take this Enneagram five. Like, so if your basic fear is being useless, helpless, or incapable, your bad sides are going to come out or your not so great sides are going to come out when you might feel that. So for instance, let's say you hurt yourself and you need someone to help you. You might then become disconnected. You might become withdrawn or you might cut off from the social world because you don't like needing help. So it's this sort of thing. So you can understand yourself a lot better and go, well, that's okay. That's interesting. I know I do that. So I have to watch that. Um, Okay. So if you're a five, obviously wing four and six, your stress is in seven and your growth is in an eight. Okay. Number six, the skeptic. If you are an Enneagram six, you are the committed security orientated type with engaging responsibility, um, responsible, anxious, suspicious. Your basic desire is to have security and support and your basic fear is being without support and guidance. Um, Let's have a look at your best. If you're at your best, you are a protector's loyalist, trusted integrator, hard worker, brave defender, confident, prepared, team player and organised. However, you need to watch out for fixated on perceived dangers, paranoia, worrying, looking for ulterior motive, suspicious anxiety and hypervigilance. Now, like I said, this isn't like I don't want to be those things. That's just at times of stress or when things aren't good or some of the things you just need to be careful of. Because I know, for instance, as an Enneagram 3, I need to watch my ego. Like if I let that that come into play too much, then basically I make some wrong decisions. But Everyone has an ego and it's important to have one. So as an Enneagram six, you have wings five and seven, but also your stress area is three and your growth area is nine. Okay, let's go on to if you're an Enneagram seven. If you're a seven, you're an enthusiast, a busy, fun-loving type, spontaneous, versatile, distractible and scattered. Um, Your basic desire is to be satisfied and content to have your needs fulfilled. Your basic fear is being deprived and in pain. So when you're at your best as a seven, you're ideators, you're optimistic, you're fun, energetic, curious, connectors, always on the go. Things that you might want to watch out for is you might When you're not so at your best, you might break commitments, abandon projects, have poor relationships, self-medicate to avoid dealing with anything negative. You might have burnout or be cynical or critical. So as a seven, obviously you have wings of eight and six, but your growth is a number five and your stress shows up as a number one. So like I said, when you're not in a good place, let's just go back to number one. You might show up as never good enough, inner critic, um, dogmatic, impatient, condemning, judgmental. Um, So like I said, just keep an eye on those things uh, when you're looking at them. And it's not just the one Enneagram that you are. Um, 
And what did I say? So if you're an Enneagram seven, that's where we were. So your growth is five. So let's just have a quick look at what five shows as. So pioneers, expert, innovators, teachers, mentors, advisors, uh, in-depth knowledge, stimulate others. So like I said, there is so much good stuff. This isn't about going, oh God, look how awful I am. This is about going, this is really interesting. Okay, number eight, the challenger. So number eight are powerful, dominating type with self-confident, decisive, willful and confrontational. Your basic desire is to protect themselves, to be in control of their own destiny in life and the basic fear is harm or controlled by others. As an eight, when you're at your best, you're righteous, defenders, generous, welcoming, loving, honest, independent and determination. Things that you need to watch out for as an eight is you see relationships as competition. You push away, angry, abusive in pursuit of power, fiery, stubborn and headstrong. When I looked at the number two, what did I say? Because my husband's number two. So number two, yeah, when they're stressed, they go to an eight. So that's really interesting because I can definitely see that. I can definitely see uh, sometimes my husband going to an eight, uh, which like I said, it's things like pushes away, angry, abusive in pursuit of power, fiery, stubborn and headstrong. I can definitely see those traits when he is in stress. So as an eight, you obviously have the wings nine and seven. When you're in stress, you go to a five. And when you're in growth, you go to a two. So hence you can see that kind of two and eight connection. So when they're at, when a number eight is at number two, they're actually a very giving person when they're in growth. And then finally, the last one is number nine, which is the peacemaker, the easygoing, self-effacing type, receptive, reassuring, agreeable, complacent, uh, not uh, complacent. Sorry, I did have that right. Um, your basic desire to have an inner stability, peace of mind and your basic fear is loss and separation. So when you're at your best as a nine, you are calm, collected, diffuse conflict, modest, welcoming inclusive, patient, confident and mediators. When you're not at your best, you might be lethargic, passive aggressive, unresponsive, unable to concentrate, believe you do not matter, sluggish and fail to set boundaries. And as a nine, obviously your wings are eight and a one because we're back round the circle. Your area of growth is a three. So a peacemaker can turn into an activist like me, um, not an activist, achiever, sorry, like me, or your stress is a number six. So those are the basic Enneagrams. Now, one thing I want to touch on, which I think is really fascinating, is the subtypes. When I had my Enneagram test, they told me my subtypes. Basically, every Enneagram, so if you're an Enneagram two, or basically any number of Enneagram you are, you can be a social, a self-preservation, or a one-to-one. So to put this into perspective, I'm a social three. So I like being around people. I like doing things for people. I like, my Enneagram likes being social. Mary, who's my coach, she's an Enneagram two with the social. So Mary is a giver, but she's a social giver. So she loves doing things with people. She's the sort of people who will raise money. She will do things like her nail tech had got no family around it and it was a big birthday. So Mary threw a party. Like that's the kind of giver that Mary is. However, so Mary and my husband are both twos, but my husband is a self-preservation two. 
So him and Mary are very different, which is so fascinating because they're both twos. But self-preservation means that obviously they're helping to preserve themselves. So when my husband is a giver, it's because it's to do with self-preservation. So when he gives and cleans the house for me, it's part of his self-preservation. My husband absolutely would not do things for the community and he is not like going to throw a party for someone that he knows who doesn't have the family around. That is not my husband. Um, He's a self-preservation too. So he'll do anything for me, anything for his kids, like anything for the dogs, probably most for the dogs. Um, But it's all to do with his own self-preservation rather than the social side of it, whereas Mary's is social. So that I found really fascinating. And when you go into the subtypes, so for instance, um, number two, they have subtype names. So number two under self-preservation would be the nurturer privilege. Number two under socials, this is so Paul would have been nurture privilege. Mary would be the ambassador ambitious. Whereas number three under social is the politician prestige. So that would be me rather than the other sides of, I don't have the self-preservation one or the one-to-one. The one-to-one tends to be literally your partner. Um, So I don't know how many people are actually one-to-one subtypes. Okay, I've got some links which we will put into the show notes. I know this has been a bit of an odd episode, but I love this stuff so much. I find it so fascinating. And honestly, it has been a game changer for me and understanding me and my husband. And I keep meaning to get my daughter to do it. And I didn't get my daughter to do it. I need to get her to do it. Um, because sometimes we're like, why can't you just be a bit more like, well, that's just not them. Maybe that's not their their Enneagram. And we just need to understand that that's how they show up and view the world. Anyway, like I said, I hope you've enjoyed today's episode. episode. Oh, can't speak. It's a bit different. Uh, but uh, fingers crossed, you will go off now and get your own Enneagram and your partner's Enneagram and your kids' Enneagrams and your friends' Enneagrams and you'll start to see how all that interne- interconnects. Have a wonderful week and I will see you next week. <laughs>